Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we sang, have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Bill Keeler is his name. We were roommates in college for three years, ran track together. Then we went off to seminary and were classmates together. He was even the son of a pastor. We finished our four years of school and he said he wanted to take a year off and travel around Europe. He never came back. And he denies the Christian faith to this day. Someone like him makes me ask the question, just like the question was asked of Jesus, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, that's not the spirit that's asking that question. It is our flesh that asks such a question. And in your mind's eye, you may also remember someone who you know grew up with and heard the good news of Jesus. Maybe they haven't denied the faith and are apostate, but by their actions, you wonder. You just wonder. I've not stopped praying for him. I tried to contact him and wrote letters. He never answered them. Indeed, Lord, will those who are saved be few. On the other side is a woman who for 50 years, her children and grandchildren bothered her regularly, inviting her to come to church with them, encouraging her to be a part of the church and the church activities, introducing to her all kinds of people from the church with whom she could connect, to make those connections and to be a part of the community of the church. Well, then it wasn't enough for her children. Her grandchildren continued that on. Finally, near her 80th birthday, I baptized her and confirmed her and communed her for her very first time in her life, never having ever been baptized. Within a year, she died and is in heaven. Now, those are two extremes. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now that question, the motivation behind that question, is really a fleshly motivation. Because the flesh wants an answer. If the answer to that question is yes, then the flesh cries out, injustice, not fair, foul. Or the flesh cries out, how do I know for sure that I am? And that's worry and fear. And that is not what the Spirit breeds within your heart. If the answer is no, then the flesh cries out, good, then I don't have to worry about a thing. And slothfulness and apathy can set in real quickly by Satan's prompting. It is a very good question indeed. And Jesus does not answer it with a simple yes or a simple no. He answers it directly with strive, struggle, to enter through the narrow door. For many, 
I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now, this striving and struggling isn't what gets us into heaven. This striving and struggling of which he speaks is your and my life, baptized into Christ. Our spirit knows. That's why you're here hearing the word. It continually is bringing you back to where the narrow door is found. But here, that narrow door is wide open. And here where that narrow door is wide open, you are being invited and all those whom you bring. But there are a whole host of things that your and my flesh can think of doing at this time of the morning on a Sunday or a Wednesday or some other time when God's services are offered that we can find other things to do. It is a narrow door. And it is a struggle to live out that life of a baptized Christian. Because Satan doesn't want us here. Satan knows here that narrow door is wide open and the Lord who opens that door so widely for you that is narrow though, is calling you continually back. And all those whom you bring. Now I don't have the answer for Bill. I may never have an answer for my friend Bill. Except I know he heard the news. He heard the news. And the 80-year-old woman, I have no answer as to why it seemed that God took a long time in her life to bring her to faith. But the same method and means for each of them are the same. It's just that we were able to see the result in her life and I may go to my grave never knowing what God's going to do in Bill's life. He even watched my daughter get baptized in the chapel at the seminary. <laughs> you know, that's why our elders call you on the telephone and write you letters. Because we take seriously this need to connect with one another because we know that it is a struggle to live out our faith in this world. We are responsible for one another. I know many of you pick up the telephone and call one another, checking on them and asking how they're doing. That is good. But I scratch my head when I hear somebody says, yeah, I called them three times and they've never returned my phone call. Why? As Pastor said so beautifully before the service began, that's part of the reason for this cottage meetings that we're starting, to knit our congregation together. Brothers and sisters, all of you know we are not a neighborhood church for the most part. The only neighborhood people that come are probably university students and a few other members, but otherwise we're a regional church. And being a regional church, we're from all over which means the only time we possibly rub shoulders is briefly when we pass the peace. And the idea behind the cottage meetings is knitting us together so that there are relationships formed, so that accountability to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is forged. We had a cottage meeting planned last Thursday, but we had to cancel because many of the people who called and said that they would be there canceled at the last minute. 
It could be busyness. Absolutely true. This is a busy time of the year. But you need to know very clearly the intent behind letters and phone calls and encouragement is because that door is narrow that leads to eternal life. And our spirit knows that and finds great comfort and confidence in that because we know there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. And our spirit also knows that wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. The many who respond, listen to how he talks to them. And he's referring to you and me because the temptation is great. And if we think that the temptation is not great for us to be pulled away from the church, we overestimate our flesh or underestimate it, depending upon the perspective. They'll stand at the door and knock. Lord, open to us, and then Jesus will answer. Notice he answers, I do not know where they come from. He puts it back in your and my lap. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, the text says, we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. He will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of heaven, but you yourselves cast out. And as we sang, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table of the kingdom of God. And some, like that 80-year-old woman, will be brought in. And some, like my friend Bill, I don't know. This drives me to repentance. For it's very easy for my flesh to well up inside me and be frustrated. With why not, Lord? Why doesn't that person answer the phone call and allow us to love them and they love us? Why is there this? I want my life to be completely alienated from the rest of the communion. But that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. But that flesh you and I share right here because we get frustrated. And I have to repent like you because it's of Satan. But it was the inviting and the encouraging and the introducing that finally brought that woman to Christ. Well, we know it wasn't all that. It was God's Holy Spirit that did that. But here, where they brought her and encouraged her and invited her, not necessarily in this place here at 3501, but in the church where they did is where God's Holy Spirit works because this narrow door is open broad and wide for those who hear. For you and me. Don't give up. Do not give up and do not let Satan take the joy away from you. And don't let your flesh kowtow to him. Repent as I need to repent. It's too easy to be brought down that negative, cynical path that we've trodden very often in our lives. (laughs) 
Her name is Rose, and it's a unique name given the kind of a woman she is, was, should be the better way to say it. Rose was a drug addict and was in prison for being a drug addict. And Rose's face and body did not look like her age. She had seen life more than she needed to see. And her mother-in-law and father-in-law, who were regular in church, but one could say, well, I didn't know that they were members because they're quietly come in and quietly leave again. But they continued to invite her and encourage her and introduce her. And I, by God's grace, got to see the fruit of all their work and God's Holy Spirit at work. And she was confirmed and baptized. Didn't stop there. And you better hold on to your hat whenever you begin inviting and encouraging and introducing people because you don't know what God's going to do. God's Holy Spirit got a hold of Rose in a way that was beyond my imagination. And Rose came to me and said, I want to teach Sunday school. Can you imagine the Sunday school superintendent's face when I said, do you think we can have a place for Rose to teach? Part of me was hoping the Sunday school superintendent would say, no, pastor, we have everybody filled up. But like our own Sunday school, there wasn't. There was an opening in the third and fourth grade, mind you. Okay, Lord, you're the boss. And you know who was in that third and fourth grade? Whose child? Mine, my son. She taught him about Jesus. She also spoke about her life as a drug addict and how Jesus changed that. She spoke about the tattoos and the weathered face upon her own countenance. And she spoke with joy about God's grace in her life. Do not give up. Do not let Satan and your own flesh rob you of that. Repent of it as I need to repent of it. And come back again to the place where the narrow door is open wide for you and for all whom you bring. And know, know, just as these two are examples, God will bring it about in his time, but God will bring it about. And to the others who grieve our hearts, like our bills in your life and in my life, we can only entrust them into the hands of the God who called us and brought us through this narrow door to recline at his table. Hence why we sing, have mercy upon us, O Jesus, because God has brought those from the north and the south and the east and the west to gather at his table around the world and even here. In his name we pray, have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.